How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Live from our nation's capital, it's Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon. Welcome to Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon. I'm a Democratic strategist and a colonist for the Hill in Washington, D.C. You can read my take on the presidential race in the Hill every Monday. Just Google muckrack, M-U-C-K-R-A-C-K, dot com, front slash, Brad, dash, Bannon. My new contribution to the Hill is my take on a new poll that indicates Republicans believe Donald Trump is a better president than Abraham Lincoln was. Really, they believe believe that, apparently. Scary. My company, Bannon Communications Research, polls for and designs research-based media and message strategies for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. If you want to learn more about me and my political polling communications company, go to Facebook.com front slash Bannon dash communications dash research. My Twitter handle is Brad Bannon. Today we'll discuss impeachment. Our guest in the first half hour is Paul Lisnick political and legal analyst for WGN-TV and radio in Chicago. Democratic strategist Tim Zink joins the provocative progressive political panel with our own Mark Grimaldi in the second half hour. If you want to be part of the show and talk directly to me and our guest, call us at 888-6LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. These are the questions that we'll discuss today in the first half hour of the show. Inquiring minds want to know. Have House Democrats made an airtight case that Donald Trump tried to bribe the Ukraine to dig up dirt on Joe Biden's son in exchange for arms who defend their country from Russia? Two, the Constitution requires 67 Senate votes to remove the president from office but there are only 47 Democratic senators. Can Democrats convince 20 Republican senators to evict Donald Trump from the White House? Third and finally, would the impeachment process be a failure if the Senate fails to remove Donald Trump from office? That, of course, is the Rocky theme, and I'm sure many of you saw the president's Twitter feed from last week 
that showed his head uh, imposed on a uh, the body of the famous movie boxer uh, Rocky Balboa, uh, played by Sylvester Stallone. I took uh, really spoiled my appetite for Thanksgiving. I don't tell you. Anyway, our guest in this half hour is Paul Lisnick. Paul is an attorney, legal consultant, and political analyst. Paul has been the political analyst for WGN-TV in Chicago since 2008, appearing on all the station's newscasts discussing political issues of the day. He is also the host of Politics Tonight on CLTV, on which he interviews the leading political figures in Chicago, the state of Illinois, and the nation. Paul has also appeared on a number of TV news shows, including CNN and Court TV. He is the author of 13 books, including The Hidden Jury and his first work of fiction, Assumed Guilt, which is available now. Welcome to Deadline DC, Paul. It's glad to have it's good to have you on the show. Brad, a pleasure to be with you, and I think it's to say that you are often a guest on my show presiding, uh, prevent, presenting your phenomenal insights, so I thank you for that. Turnabout is fair play. Yeah, well, turn yeah, turnabout is fair play, so I'll get a chance to ask the questions today. Right. Uh, let me start with this. Uh, House Democrats, what kind uh, well, let me first preface by saying it that uh, tomorrow, or that on Wednesday, a new round of impeachment hearings in the House Judiciary Committee start. So my question to you, Paul, is what kind of case have House Democrats made uh, that there was a quid pro quo uh, between Donald Trump and his desire uh, to dig up dirt, uh, have the Ukrainians dig up dirt on Joe Biden's son in return for arms shipments to protect the country uh, from uh, Russia. Uh, it, does this, uh, is this a quid quo pro? Does it constitute the bribery, which is grounds for impeachment under the Constitution? The answer should be short, Brad, but it, but it isn't. And I'll but I'll I'll try and truncate this. The bottom line is this: this is a political process, not a legal process. If Democrats were lawyers putting together a case for a courtroom, then I would say absolutely their case would survive all motions to dismiss, all motions for summary judgment, and this case would get to a jury to decide. They have presented enough facts for that purpose. But this is not a legal proceeding. This is a political proceeding. And so, even though I stand by the fact. And, and as you know, I'm a neutral on the air for WGN-TV. I don't take sides, um, but I'm also a lawyer. And so when I look at all of this from a political perspective, it is clear to me that Democrats, through witnesses tied to the Trump administration, Trump appointees like Ambassador Sondland um, and others who are, who are part of the Trump administration, they're not, they're not uh, witch hunters, um, they have established a prima facie case that would hold up in a court of law. In a court of politics, I'm not sure there are any Republicans doing much listening, so I'm not sure it matters. Yeah, that's uh, probably true. But let me uh, ask you this, and this might bear on your uh, previous response. Uh, CNN did a poll, national poll last week, and they asked Americans directly whether they thought Donald Trump should be impeached by the House and removed from office by the Senate. 
And exactly half of the American public, 50 percent, said they believe Trump should be removed, uh, impeached and removed. Forty three percent said he shouldn't be impeached and removed. And the other seven percent didn't have an opinion. Now, the way I look at it, this is good news and bad news for the president. The bad news for the president is that a majority of Americans think that the House should impeach him and the Senate should remove him, which I think is a pretty strong statement. Uh, The good news for the president is that CNN had asked this question uh, just before the uh, House uh, Intelligence uh, Committee hearings where they interviewed uh, European Union Gordon Sunland, Uh, and other Trump foreign policy officials, and they got exactly the same number, 50% for impeachment or removing and 43% against. And that tells me, despite the fact that much of the testimony before the House Intelligence Committee was pretty damning and convincing, uh, given uh, Trump's phone call to the Ukrainian president, uh, it didn't move public opinion at all. What do you think? Well, I think it, it is true that public opinion is not shifting much. I would add another poll into your uh, your discussion there, which is a political poll done eh, a week and a half ago um, in the middle of all the testimony, in which the, it was sort of interesting. It reported that the, the, the desire for impeachment was down, I think it was like 20 points. But when you, dig, when you dug into the numbers, Brad, you found that for people who were watching the proceedings, the majority of people wanted to see the president impeached. For people who weren't watching, watching the proceedings and admitted it, then that's where you saw the majority saying, no, we shouldn't be impeached. So part of what's really going on here, I think, even in the CNN poll, you have to ask people, are you following this? Are you watching? Do you see what's going on? Because I think what happens, and, and WGN in Chicago, we covered those proceedings wall to wall. And, I, and what I said on the air here, too, and I'll say it to, to, to your listening audience, which is, look, what's going to happen is most people are probably at work. They're maybe looking for a moment here and there, but they're not watching it wall to wall like people like you and me would. And so what happens is they go home at night and they turn on their news source. And if their news source is Fox News, they're exposed to a brand of coverage that nobody else is getting. You wouldn't think the president did anything wrong based on the clips they're able to pull. And liberals, of course, turning to MSNBC or whatever channel they're going to, to to hear how damning all the testimony and evidence is. So that's the problem, is, is every poll needs to be padded with the information of who's watching, how much are you watching, because if you watch it wall-to-wall, and if you truly just pay attention to the facts uh, uh, tied to the identities of the witnesses who are testifying, it's pretty hard to say that the Democrats haven't established a case. Once again, in the political process, we'll see what happens. But, um, but, But they did a good job in terms of their mission. Okay, our guest in this half hour is Paul Lisnick. He is an attorney, legal consultant, and a political analyst for WGN-TV and radio in Chicago. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. My guest in this half hour is Paul Lisnick. Uh, Paul is an attorney, a legal consultant, author, and a political analyst for WGN-TV and radio in Chicago. Paul, uh, let me ask this. Uh, You referred to the fact that uh, if the House 
impeaches President Trump, as they probably will, uh, and the Senate votes to acquit the president, uh, as it probably will, uh, would that make the entire impeachment process, the inquiry, the hailings, uh, a failure or a useful exercise in democracy? You know, I think Democrats are smarter to proceed with what they're doing um, no matter what. And that, there's a couple reasons I say that. Number one, Professor Alan Lickman, who's predicted the presidential uh, winner in the last nine elections, uh, he has these series of 12 or 13 factors. And one of the key factors he's talked about is saying that Democrats could not win this election unless the issues involving the president and his behavior got aired. The only way they were going to get aired is through this impeachment process. So politically and to shore up the Democrats, base, it would seem to me that they need to proceed. Um, secondly, I would argue, again, as a lawyer and as someone who teaches constitutional law, the Democrats didn't have much of an option here because politics aside, the Constitution makes it clear they have a duty, and so a duty to do. And so the notion of, well, we better not do it because it could cost us the election, it could cost us the majority, that may all be true. But the bottom line is, if they believe that impeachable conduct is going on, they have a constitutional duty to do what they're doing. So if they pay a price in the end, Brad, for doing it, I, I would still look and say, but you know what? You did what you had to do. The question is whether Republicans in the Senate will put party above country, oh, sorry, will put country above party, and do, and that doesn't mean 20 of them, which of course, as you said earlier, are needed, but whether they put um, country above party for some of them to say, look, we have a constitution to protect. I don't really believe that will happen at all. This is not uh, the days of Richard Nixon when people like Barry Goldwater went over to the White House and said, President Nixon, you're done. You got to go. And he lost uh, Republican support because Republicans at that time put country over party. So I think they need to do it. Will it cost them in the end? Look, we live in a 24-hour news cycle right now. If this all ends somewhere in the beginning of the year in January, we're still, what, 10 months away from an election. Yes, Fox News will talk about it every single night and will harp and harp and harp. But you know what? Fox News viewers aren't voting for the Democratic nominee anyway. I think that some of the other channels like CNN, MSNBC, they will move on. They will move on to the next story, the next news, maybe the next um, maybe the next crisis, or whatever it will be. Um, but I think in the end, the Democrats have made the right decision. One of the other things that I uh, saw in the uh, CNN poll, uh, which and this suggests that voters aren't exactly buying the president's argument about the infamous Ukraine call, is CNN asked Americans whether they thought uh, Donald Trump's motive uh, – for making the call to the Ukrainian president uh, was for his own political benefit or whether it was uh, uh, an effort to fight political corruption in the Ukraine. Uh, Americans, by a margin of 56 to 36 percent, said the president did it for his own political gain uh, as opposed to doing it to fight corruption, political corruption in the Ukraine. So what guess, what do you, what, what kind of impact do you think that this, the, the hearings and the issues that were aired uh, and the charges and the countercharges will have on the president's reelection campaign next year? Because in all analysis, we have the uh, we have that metaphor or analogy, which is good. The House 
is in charge of bringing an indictment against the accused. Uh, the Senate holds the trial, but the public is the opinion of the, the court of last resort uh, next November. So what impact do you think this will have on the president's reelection campaign when all said and done? It'll have no impact on Trump supporters. They will simply get stronger. Um, the Democrats will stay where they are. The concern for Democrats is, and when you look at um, you know issues like uh, Pete Buttigieg, I'm not changing topics. Pete Buttigieg, who's having trouble with minority support and all of that, I- I've covered this on my show. And one of the concerns on on African American support is that in many times the the position of the, of African Americans has often been, look, if Democrats take us for granted, we're staying home. We might not vote for Trump, but we're staying home. It's sort of amazing to me that the Republican base will go out rain, snow, or whatever the weather is, and the Democrats seem to be a little less likely to do so if, in fact, they're being taken for granted of or maybe their feelings are hurt in some way. I mean, the Democrats need the kind of strength Republicans have to show up at those polls. But assuming that they do, then they will support whoever the candidate is because their number one priority is getting Donald Trump out. The real question, Brad, is going to be those undecideds. I'm not sure in this political climate what percentage of undecideds. I don't think we're dealing with 60% undecided. It's going to be a very small number. But you know what? In an election which was, uh, which can be decided and will be decided by four or five or six states around the country, that undecided becomes critical. If those undecideds watch the trial, and they're more likely to watch the trial than they were these impeachment hearings that were going on, um, then there may be some sway. But it's just too early to know that. Well, Paul, uh, uh, one last question. Uh, there are many Iowans in your, who view your show in neighboring Iowa. Uh, what's your sense of the, what the Democratic race looks like there in the Hawkeye State? Well, I think, look, I think my sense is whoever wins Iowa, it's hard to look at this. The polls are changing right now. You see, you know, Pete Buttigieg up there and all that. I think this year... Iowa is not going to be so much of a predictor of what's likely to happen. And the reason is because the minority vote is much higher in states that follow, uh, like South Carolina, I think you're going to see some different results. You could see uh, Joe Biden win South Carolina, Pete Buttigieg win Iowa, uh, you know, uh, an Elizabeth Warren pick up New Hampshire. It could be all over the board. And I think for the Democratic side, Brad, and you're the pollster, you know much better, but I think Super Tuesday, March 3rd, I think it is, is going to be the day when Democrats say, ah, and now we see which way it's going. I just think moving into Super Tuesday is going to be unclear. I think there's going to be a few candidates who have their own wins trying to spin it as much as they can, but I think that Iowa is not going to be the predictor this year. With all my due respect to the Iowans, and I encourage everybody to vote, it's part of our duty. Paul, thank you for joining us today, and I'm sure you'll be up late uh, Super Tuesday night analyzing the returns for WGN-TV and radio. We'll be back with more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon after this break with our provocative progressive political panel, which today includes uh, our own executive producer, Mark Grimaldi, uh, and Democratic strategist, Tim Zink. Uh, And if you want to uh, join the panel and ask questions or make comments, you can reach us at 888 uh, six Leslie, uh, and I want to make a point that uh, you're always welcome to join the panel. Trump 
is uh, grasping at straws and spreading ridiculous lies because the impeachment inquiry that threatens his presidency is intensifying and moving into the next phase. Remember, we just had two weeks of public hearings that featured one witness after another testifying that there was, in fact, a corrupt quid pro quo with Ukraine. We already have all the evidence. Remember how they had to arrest Al Capone for tax evasion because they couldn't get him on the other crimes? Well, this is the exact opposite of that. The president actually has committed tax evasion. Everyone's like, oh, you forget, we don't have time for that. The guy tried to get two countries to interfere in our elections. He paid off a porn star, and from the look of Rudy's face, he judo-chopped his own lawyer's ball sack. (laughs) And now, the House is laying out its next steps for impeachment inquiry, starting with a hearing scheduled for next week in the House Judiciary Committee, which will be responsible for drafting articles of impeachment against the president, which means a vote on those articles could come by the end of the year. Trump could actually be impeached in time for Christmas. I mean, in a way, it's the one promise he's actually kept. Because remember, he did say... You'll be saying Merry Christmas again. See, he was right. (laughs) Trump's inner circle is entangled in his criminal scheme to extort a foreign country to interfere in the 2020 election. For example, today, the New York Times reported that Giuliani, who's reportedly under criminal investigation for everything from money laundering to obstruction of justice to campaign finance violations, also pursued business in Ukraine while pushing for inquiries for Trump. And it wasn't just Rudy. Two of Giuliani's henchmen, Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman, have already been indicted for their role in this scheme. You remember these two guys, the guys who look like characters from the Soviet version of Guess Who? (laughs) Now, you might remember that these guys had at least 10, 10 separate interactions with Trump. And they told associates that Trump had sent them on a secret mission to dig up dirt on Joe Biden in Ukraine. I'm sorry, but these are the guys you want on a secret mission? Yeah, I mean, they'll blend right in as long as the mission is to infiltrate a convention of Queens building supers. (laughs) In fact, they specifically said they'd be given a special assignment by Trump, which they told people was some sort of James Bond mission. It's really great that Trump came up with a James Bond mission and he assigned it to two guys who look like they'd immediately get thrown off a speedboat by James Bond. Now they've been arrested, one of them is basically begging to flip on Rudy and the president, and the House Intelligence Committee is reportedly already in possession of audio and video recordings and photographs provided to the committee by Lev Parnas. The material submitted to the committee includes audio, video, and photos that include Giuliani and Trump. That's right, they have audio and video recordings of Trump and Rudy. And let's just spare a thought for the congressional investigators who have to sit down and listen to recordings of Rudy Giuliani. I mean... These are investigators who probably clerked for judges and high-powered law firms, and they'll have to spend their holidays sifting through the ramblings of this lunatic. Shut up, moron. Shut up. Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Forget the whistleblower. We have the transcript of the call and the president's remarks. I'm Spartacus. Biden? By the way, Biden's been off the trail. He's our Al Gore. All right, Rudy, hold that thought. What thought is he going to hold? Also... Not only does the House have possession of these recordings, but they've also subpoenaed Levin Igor and Democratic Intelligence Chairman Adam Schiff said this week there's a chance they'll even be called to testify. The House has laid out the next steps in the impeachment inquiry. A vote could come by the end of the year. And judging by the polls, if Trump does get impeached, Americans will be doing a lot of... Thanksgiving. This has been a closer look. Okay, welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. It's time... And I know you wait for this every week for our provocative progressive political panel. Our guest panelist today uh, is Tim Zink. Tim is a principal at Molecule, a public affairs and business company. 
Tim has spent his distinguished career shaping public policy and politics. Joining Tim on the panel, as he always does, is executive producer and progressive political activist Mark Grimaldi. If you want to be part of the roundtable and talk directly to me and the panelists, call us at 888-6LESLIE. The next round of impeachment hearings begin in the House of Representatives this week, and there's good news and bad news for Donald Trump. The bad news for Trump is that a new CNN national survey indicates a majority of Americans by a, major, by a margin of 50 to 43 percent want the White ha- want the House of Representatives to impeach Donald Trump and want the Senate to remove him from office. An even larger number of Americans, by a margin of 56% to 36%, believe that Trump's efforts were his own personal benefit rather than part of a plan to fight political corruption in the Ukraine. The good news for the president is that the number of Americans who didn't want him impeached and removed didn't increase after two weeks of compelling testimony from Gordon Sundland, uh, his ambassador to the European Union, and other members of his foreign policy and ambassadorial staff. It's likely that House of Representatives will vote to impeach Donald Trump, damaging as and as damaging as the impeachment inquiry has been, it's unlikely that Senate Democrats can bring around enough Republican senators to remove the president from office. The Senate mer- verdict may not call the president to justice, but he faces big trouble in the court of public opinion. The Senate acquittal will be nothing more than a stay of execution for Trump. American voters will have a chance to render their own verdict in November next year, and the fruits of the House impeachment inquiry will provide the evidence that moves voters to remove Donald Trump from office themselves. Okay, let's start with the panel today. Uh, Tim, uh, one of the things that struck me as very odd and a little discouraging is that CNN uh, did a did national polls before and after the testimony to the House Intelligence Committee, uh, which featured uh, several several foreign policy members of the Trump administration uh, talking about uh, the president's obsession for getting the Ukraine to dig up dirt on Joe Biden's son Hunter. Now, I would have thought that after that testimony, there'd be a big jump in support for impeachment and removal. But in both, the numbers were exactly the same, both before and after. 50% of Americans want to impeach Donald Trump and remove him from office, and 43% didn't. And that was the same before and after. So my question is for you is, I found the Sunland testimony uh, pretty damning. So why didn't it move uh, the dial in terms of public opinion? Well, it's a good question, Brad. And, uh, you know, I expected there to be some more movement. Um, I haven't seen any other additional recent polling. But, uh, you know, to explain this, uh, I would simply say that uh, eight hour of testimony a day for a two week prop. Uh, period uh, is sort of beyond most Americans' ability to focus on. Everybody has to work, and people are, uh, you know, only uh, getting sort of the highlights. So 
those folks who didn't have the ability to watch, watch the entire, entire process, um, which is majority of Americans, a significant majority of Americans, probably aren't moved by the headlines, which were typically pretty fair and uh, in, in describing the outlines of the hearings. So, you know, <clears throat> uh, unfortunately, most Americans probably didn't tune in uh, to a, a real important, important uh, event. But uh, nonetheless, I think in the ether out there, people generally feel like uh, the last two weeks of the hearings were uh, monument monumental and really important from a historic standpoint in that, um, you know, I think they felt that there was a change and that the president's uh, uh, accusers in the House certainly uh, uh, made a strong case uh, for his impeachment, um, uh, but maybe didn't close the loop on on removal. Uh, Mark, you want to uh, weigh in on this? I think Tim makes some really strong points, you know, regarding the length of the hearings and most uh, Americans' attention span. But I also think there were plenty of viral moments um, that were, you know, able to be wrapped up in a clip and summarize things like Gordon Sondland, you know, saying and having the opening opening statement that there was a quid pro quo. Um, so I think that there was a lot of opportunities from Fiona Hill, um, Ambassador Marie Ivanovich. Uh, you know, they all, I think, did a, a really good job of telling the truth. And the truth is very damning for President Trump. Now, as to why um, maybe we didn't see more movement, I think, honestly, even before the testimony, there was so much information showing a clear case of what Trump had done wrong on the call and then all the, the information to back it up um, and, and having people like Mick Mulvaney admit in public that there was a quid pro quo um, and that it was just normal policy that they did. I think plenty of people, once they saw the call transcript and all of that other information and heard, you know, uh, L Lieutenant Vinman and even saw his statement ahead of time, that was enough for them. So that's why I think you already saw the number um, a majority of Americans uh, would want President Trump impeached and removed. So the question is, who are you going to convince to increase that number? Well, there's probably, you know, 30 percent who will never, ever think that Trump does anything wrong. Uh, like he said, he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue. So, uh, you know, and then there's maybe another 10 percent where it's highly unlikely. So really you're working with, you know, that's up to 40 percent, 50 to 40. So you're working with that other 10 percent, you know, maybe independence. And, you know, maybe they're still just looking for more information or they're just not sure. Um, you know, it depends on where they're getting their news, unfortunately. Okay, we're going to go to break now, but when we get back, we'll be back to our provocative progressive political panel with our guest, our guest panelist, uh, Tim Zink from Mole Molecule, and our own executive producer, Mark Grimaldi. Stay tuned for these messages. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. We're, it's time, as usual, for our provocative progressive political panel. Our guest panelist today is Tim Zink, a principal at Molecule, a public affairs and business company. And, of course, our executive producer, Mark Grimaldi, joins us as he usually does every week. 
let's uh, go back and discuss impeachment. Uh, it strikes me that it's uh, very unlikely that um, we get the 67 votes uh, in the Senate that remove that will remove Donald Trump from office. Uh, there are only 47 Democrats in the Senate, which means we'd need 20 Republican senators to break ranks and evict Trump from the White House. Uh, I can see maybe a few Republican senators uh, might uh, sum up the coverage to do it, but 20. I think that's highly unlikely. Um, I hope I'm surprised, but um, I'm a little dubious, especially after watching the Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee, who seem to a man and woman, I don't know if there were any female Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee, actually. Wouldn't surprise me if there weren't. Uh, Yeah, there was one, uh, I think. But anyway, uh, they defended on the House Intelligence Committee, the Republican members defended Trump to the last. So my question to you, Tim, is uh, do you think it's likely that the Senate will vote to evict Donald Trump from the White House? And if your answer is no, does that mean this whole impeachment process uh, that was initiated by House Democrats is a failure? Uh, well, you know, the answer is going to be most likely no, that the Senate will not vote to impeach the president, um, uh, excuse me, to convict the president. Um, and let's recall that the uh, Article 2 of the Constitution requires that the uh, members of the United States Congress, particularly the House of Representatives in this case, make a decision on whether or not to impeach the president. So it's fully within the House of respect to the House of Representatives' uh, constitutional um, requirement to evaluate whether or not the president deserves impeachment. They uh, are going through the process of evaluating that and have a constitutional responsibility to follow through. Whether or not the politics of this work out well for the Congress uh, or the Democrats, uh, uh, when, the, uh, when the articles, if they get there to the Senate, um, um, uh, work out in their favor is irrelevant. And uh, I, I would think that most Americans believe that members of Congress have a, have a constitutional um, um, a, a requirement to follow through on their, their, their articles uh, and the evaluation of whether or not the president deserves impeachment. The separate process of conviction is set up separately in the Constitution, and that process will then take place after the House takes a couple of votes in the Judiciary Committee, and then uh, on the floor one more time, and then over to the Senate. So, you know, long ways to go in the process, more information to come, potentially even additional witnesses before the House. Uh, So I would just kind of leave it at that by saying, the House is doing the right thing by following the Constitution. Uh, Tim, do you think that uh, the president, let's say the House does impeach, which they probably will, and the Senate doesn't remove, which they probably won't, uh, do you think the president uh, will go? Will use this? Can successfully use this to say, "Hey, listen, those House Democrats went after me on a witch hunt, and my position was vindicated by the Senate." So, uh, uh, yeah, you know. And do you think that will work? 
Well, I think that's certainly the 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 line and the risk that the House uh, Democrats are taking by uh, you know knowing that the the likely chance of conviction in the Senate is is near zero given the politics of the Senate. However, I think uh, a stronger position to be in is the House in that they have a constitutional duty. Uh, to follow the Constitution and evaluate whether or not the, pro- the president committed high crimes and misdemeanors. And the quest- and the answer is pretty conclusively yes. It's not pretty. It is conclusively yes that the president um, violated the Constitution and deserves impeachment, which I believe you'll see. So the politics of this uh, could be ugly uh, as, it, you know, as it makes its way over to the Senate and the Senate makes its uh, decision known. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, the Congress has got to do its job. Tim, uh, assuming this plays out, as I think it will, uh, House impeaches and the Senate acquits, uh, will this, can the president successfully use the Senate acquittal as vindication of his actions in the Ukraine? No, because I think the House, uh, the members of the House and the Congress can make very clear that the impeachment of the president uh, was based on solid evidence that the president violated the Constitution and committed high crimes and misdemeanors in the process. And as long as they do not allow uh, the president to, uh, uh, to get away with uh, declaring victory um, and making sure and reminding Americans throughout the next election process that he committed high crimes and misdemeanors, uh, bribery and others, uh, that, uh, that uh, you know, I don't think that while he may try to declare victory, uh, uh, he will be unsuccessful at that at the end. Mark, what do you think? Um, I think in the scenario that you lay out, Brad, which I also agree is the most likely of the House voting to impeach and the Senate voting to acquit with maybe a couple of Republican senators like maybe Mitt Romney um, and possibly, I don't know, I don't even want to say Susan Collins because she always seems to like seem like she's going to maybe do the right thing and then just completely bails like in the Kavanaugh case. But um, I would say I think this is bad for Trump. I, I mean, having these hearings lead the news and, and show up on headlines with the, the testimony and the unexpected things that happen, like Gordon Sondland coming out so strongly and laying out the case, you know, um, Lieutenant Colonel Vinman, uh, you know, and the credibility that he has. Having those lead the headlines day after day, I think, adds up. And especially, like you said, for those who don't watch every minute of the hearing, they're going to see headlines. And the more just the higher sheer volume of them that talk about these bad acts are going to remind people and it's going to be front and center in their minds. And it's going to be harder for Trump to use the diversionary tactics he's successfully used in the past when there's been a bad story, because instead of just that one news story coming out, there's all of these news stories about the actual impeachment proceedings that are happening, laying out the actual crimes and bad acts that he did. Um, But that's just my take. I'm going to give you the last minute, Brad. Well, I think uh, I think the de- Democrats have done their job uh, in impeaching and investigating the president. Uh, I think uh, it exposes a lot of the dirty deeds of the Trump administration, and I think it will pay off uh, in November, even if the Senate votes to acquit. 
Um, the other thing I think Nancy Pelosi uh, deserves a lot of credit for managing this process uh, because before the uh, House Intelligence Inquiry hearings, uh, only 37 percent favored Trump's remo- impeachment and removal, and now it's up to 50 percent. So I think it's been a great success. But sad to say, that's all for today, folks. Thanks to my guest, Paul Lisnick of WGN-TV in Chicago, Tim Zink of Molecule, and our own executive producer, Mark Grimaldi. Tune in next week for Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. I'm here every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time if the Lord is willing and the creek don't rise. Unless, of course, Donald Trump declares martial law, uh, 